Yo, welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the IKP. I hope everybody's doing fine and well out there. I'm surely excited for this weekend. I mean, woo, NFL wildcard weekend, NFL playoffs. It's a great slate of games on Saturday and Sunday. You know what my focus and my attention will be. I'll be looking at those games, you know, giving you guys the good scoop. <laughs> but, um... Saturday episodes. I'm gonna have this out. I'm a, you know, so if you don't, if you guys don't know, I record this on Friday evenings or Friday. Not all it doesn't it's not always evening time, but I record them on Friday so I can get these these episodes out to you guys on Saturday. So, you know, give myself a little pat on the back. But 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 in all seriousness, shout out to the NFL and the NFL front office, the league office, uh the NFL PA. These players, these teams, these coaches, they have really sacrificed a lot. And, you know, it's a it's a pretty big year. It's a it's a year for the making. It's a year for the history books. Uh obviously, you know, with COVID-19, we, you know, we didn't they didn't know what the season would have entailed. I mean, you know, to, to think that there were no cancellations, or to know that there were no cancellations in the NFL season throughout this NFL season. Surely games were pushed back, but no cancellations due to COVID-19 for this year. Really big. Let's let's just give a round of applause to the NFL. Yeah, yeah. That that deserves a round of applause. That deserve that deserves a round of a round of applause. But um NFL playoffs, they gotta they gotta finish strong. And before I even get into, you know, my first take today, uh, you know, Major League, ma- major news coming out of the Major League Baseball, you know, f- superstar shortstop Francisco Lindor got traded to the Indians and so forth. Um, big, you know, big time trade. Oh, he got traded to the Mets. Excuse me. He got traded to the Mets. Excuse me. Um, but big time trades going on, blockbuster trade in baseball. Uh, NBA season is going as well. They haven't. They're getting hit with their own COVID stuff. But let's start with the Houston Texans, a team that's not making the playoffs. And I, I wanted to touch bases on this. This particular player, Deshaun Watson. I wanted to touch bases. I wanted to talk about him, um, uh, like a couple weeks ago or last week, because I heard a lot. I've been here for the for over the last. You know, week or two, I've been hearing a lot of Deshaun Watson slander. And then we have speculations, according to ProFootballTalk.com, according to this story, Deshaun Watson, he, he's, he's, bro- he's broached teammates about a possible trade request. And I, once again, over the last couple of days, I've heard people, what? A trade request? You know, maybe he's overthinking this. Maybe what is what is what is what is Deshaun Watson thinking? I mean, this is just what I've been hearing over the last few days. This is just what I've been hearing over the last few days. And then the Texans, you know, they hired a new GM, new GM, Nick. Uh, what's his name? He he he's the Patriots. He's the, he was he was the Patriots director of player personnel. Put my mind. Oh. Nick Casario, Nick Casario, um, the Texans hired him as the new GM, as their new GM. 
and he was he he worked with New England. He worked with New England for twenty years. And let's let's just unpack this because I, I find this very fascinating in the way how people are talking about this, this you know these this trade speculation with Deshaun Watson. And many people think it's immature. Some people think it's childish. Some people think uh you know what is he thinking? Let me let's 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 take a look at Deshaun Watson in the spectrum. Okay. Deshaun Watts coming off a career year, led the league in passing yards. Now, obviously, the individual success did not equal up and lead up to great team success. The team this year was not good. The Texans this year were not good at all. Um, they were they they got off to a rough start. They had a, a really tough schedule to to begin the season. I think they played Kansas City, they played Pittsburgh, they played Baltimore. They played those three teams in like the first 3 weeks and they got murdered. They got slaughtered in those games. So, well, you know, Deshaun Watson, he had a great season, but team-wise they went they they finished 4 and 12 and they and I think 4 games into the season, they fired Bill O'Brien. They fired Bill O'Brien um after the 0 and 4 start. So they did not, they 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 got off on the wrong foot. But people are saying, "Oh, Deshaun Watson, he is so uh, this move is immature. This move is childish and how could you request a trade after you just inked a four-year deal with this team?" And okay, you know, Requesting a trade after you just signed a long-term contract, maybe that's not the best move. That's probably not the best move. I understand that 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 standpoint. But to say childish and immature, mm, maybe a bit out there. I think with this particular situation right now, I think Deshaun Watson is using some foresight. I think he is seeing the writing on the wall for this Houston Texans team. I think he's using some foresight. I think he is using some foresight, and he is looking towards the future. And right now, looking at the Texans and looking at what they can do as far as their salary cap, as um, which is their salary cap hell right now. And, uh, and once again, some of that can be contributed to the contract that Deshaun Watson signed. Yes, it could that that you can contribute their their salary cap situations and troubles to the contract he just signed, which was a to be to be exact, it was a four year, hundred and fifty six million dollar deal that he just inked before the season started. So yes, you can contribute that with their salary cap issues, but also they traded away DeAndre Hopkins last year, or be in this. This past offseason, traded away DeAndre Hopkins, one of the one of the top three receivers in football. Then, oh well, prior to that, you know they let they didn't they you know they let go Clowney, okay. JJ Watt, great player, Hall of Fame level player, but he is no longer elite JJ Watt. And and you want to know what they got back in that DeAndre Hopkins trade? You know, bag of chips. And you know some peanuts, bag of chips, some peanuts. That's basically what they got. David Johnson, okay. They got a running. They traded a. They traded an all-pro type of receiver for a running back 
who 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 is past his prime and very injury prone. Okay. So he, you know, some way, somehow he makes that work. Offensive line isn't that great. Yeah, now I am gonna give them credit. They they did go out and you know and traded traded for Learning Tunsil, and they got and he's a great great left tackle. But I think Deshaun Watson, I think he is seeing the writing on the wall. I think he is using some some foresight. He's using some foresight. Salary cap isn't that salary cap situation, that ain't looking too bright. Then you look at the draft capital. Oh, wait, there is none. They have no draft capital. They have no draft capital. Miami has the Miami has their number three pick. Miami has that. So there's no draft capital. Okay. <laughs> then, then Kyle McNeil, McNear, excuse me. He told Deshaun Watson, he informed Deshaun Watson, hey. You, you, you know, we're going to involve you in terms of when, when we're going to hire in the GM and in coaching, when we're going to hire the GM and the new coach, we're going to involve you in the discussion. Okay, they didn't, you know, the Texans didn't do that. They just went on and hired Nick Casario. And speaking of Nick Casario, have you guys seen the Patriots drafts in the last, I don't know, 10 years? Have you seen that? Have you seen who the have you seen the players that they have drafted in the last 10 years? Mind you, Nick Casario, the Texans' new GM, he was he was the director of player personnel over the Patriots. That means he was in charge of the player scouting for 20 years. But have you guys seen the Patriots draft? Over the last decade, have you seen it? Hasn't looked too great. When, ha when, when was the last All-Pro that New England drafted in the last 10 years? Rob Gronkowski. That was the last All-Pro. That, that was the last All-Pro, Pro Bowler, caliber player that the Patriots have drafted in the last 10 years at the skill position. Did you guys, do you guys, can you guys name a receiver or a skilled position guy that the Patriots have drafted that has been productive? Uh, I wait, okay. Not to mention, oh, we there's 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 way more evidence across the league as far as the resumes of new of, of former of former Patriots executives and directors. There's way more, there's way more evidence around the league of them not having success. Lions hired Lions hired Bob Quinn as their GM. Oh, yeah, he got fired. <laughs> Along with Matt Patricia, who's also a Belichick disciple. Also, Jason Light in Tampa Bay. Yeah, I mean, he drives pretty good offensive players, but mm, it's Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. I mean, it's Buccaneers. They, they, they. You know, they, they, they made the playoffs this year, but that was you know, Tom Brady. You know, they, 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 they signed Tom Brady this offseason. But Jason Light, as far as a drafter, you know, hadn't done a great job. Or, or, oh, get this. How about John Robinson in Tennessee? Yeah, Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, ha have you seen their defense? Have you seen the players on defense that they have drafted? 
And once again, this is all speculation. This Deshaun Watson trade is all speculation. He hasn't came out and said, hey, I went out. He hasn't came out and said that yet. He has not come out and said, hey, I went out. I went out of Houston. He has not said that yet. But by the looks of it, what upside does the Texans have other than Deshaun Watson? What, 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 what upside do they have? I mean, they got some players here and there, but he has a receiving core that's injury prone, an offensive line, uh, uh, shaky, a defense that's not good. You know, J.J. Watt, he's still a good player, but he's not elite anymore. So what upside do they have other than Deshaun Watson himself? And I think I think this is a simple case of him, you know, uh, of him having some foresight. Having some foresight. He's looking into the future. Now, mind you, the Texans, they're not going to trade him. They're not going to trade him at all. They're not going to trade him at all. Because, he, you know, like once again, he just signed a four-year deal. And 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 and, and, and once again, I say this, I reiterate this. If I was not clear enough earlier, early on in this segment, but him asking or him, you know, being speculation, just all speculation. But he would have no leverage. Houston would have all of the leverage in this type of situation if he was to come out and say, "Hey, I want to trade." Houston would have all of the leverage because he just signed a long-term deal. And my advice to Deshaun Watson would be, give it a couple years. Give it a couple years. Give your insight on the coach you want, on the head coach, or not that the coach you want, but the coach they should hire. Give your suggestions. Give your insight. Give it a couple years. Give it a couple years. You got because because you gotta play out this contract. You got you gotta play out this contract. You just signed it. Give it a couple years. But this was a really good year for Deshaun Watson, and it was wasted by a bad Texans team. A bad Texans team. It was wasted. And and, and also, you want you want me to point out this right here. I mean, and once again, I'm I'm gonna give Nick Casario a fair chance. I'm gonna give him a fair shot. But it's just so many instances around the league where you, these other teams they hire. You see it. You saw it with Atlanta. You saw it with Kansas City. Uh, you see. You you saw it with Detroit. You're you're seeing it with Tampa Bay. They try to hire these New England guys. They try to hire these Patriot guys. Either it, it can it could be in the director directors. You know branch it can be an executive job it can be a head coaching job and it just does not work out it just it just does not work out i'm in you know brian flores obviously he's like he's like the needle in the haystack like he's the guy that struck gold miami is the team that struck gold with a belichick disciple but everybody else has just failed and failed miserably so I'm going to give Nick Casario a chance, a fair one at that. But there's six head coaching vacancies. And um, Eric Bermenemy, right? Eric Bermenemy, hottest offense, one, one of the hottest offensive coordinators in football. He's the offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs. 
And he's up for five. He has five interviews. Guess the one team that's not interviewing Eric Minimi. Guess the one team. <laughs> you guessed it. The Houston Texans. Now, hey, you have a quarter, you have a franchise quarterback, young franchise quarterback. Uh, Eric Minimi is on the market. Eric Minimi is one of the hottest young coaches, offensive coordinators, offensive play callers in the league. Maybe we should interview him. Hmm, maybe we should interview him. Uh nah, Texans have Texans, they don't have they don't have him up for an interview yet. So that just gives you a little bit of insight of where they're come, where he's come, where Deshaun Watson is, you know, where the frustration where the, where the frustration may lay. <laughs> that that's just one of the examples. So let's see what let's see how it plays out in Houston. And okay, I swear, I don't want to spend much time anymore because I want to get to the NFL playoffs and break down these matchups a little bit and give you guys my thoughts and my predictions. But I must I must also point this out because this was also a point that I wanted to touch on with Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson had a really good year, needless to say. He led the league in passing yards. He had a 70 completion percentage. Oh, oh yes, he had a 70 he had a 70 completion percentage, 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions. A really good season. Um according to Pro Football Focus, he had the third best season for a quarterback in the league behind Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Pro Football Focus is a renowned, um, you know, they use different analytical numbers and stats. Really good. It's like it's like the NFL Bible. So it's it's a really reliable source and tool. It's like like I said, it's NF, it's like the NFL's Bible. But but. I hear too much of people saying, okay, yeah, he had great numbers, but he went 4-12. and 12. His team is only winning four games. So how good is he? Deshaun, or, 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 or I'm hearing, oh, Desha- is, is, Deshaun, is Deshaun Watson really a top 10 quarterback? That's what I keep hearing. And by any means, I'm not saying the quarterback, when we're, when we're judging and evaluating quarterbacks, I'm not saying – we shouldn't take an account of win loss record and what are your what's your team's record and how many games you win it because at the bot at the, the bottom line is win. You play the game to win. You play to win the game. Isn't that what Herm Edwards you that's Herm Edwards famous saying? You play to win the game. Yes, you do. But I feel like in 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 certain in most instances. When when teams are winning, I feel like quarterbacks get a little bit of too much credit. The quarterback quarterbacks when teams are winning, quarterbacks get a little too much credit. And then when teams are losing, I feel like quarterbacks get a little too much criticism. I think it, it balances itself. It balances itself out. It's a balancing act. But I have one prime example of this, and it, it and it includes Deshaun Watson. Now, everybody around the league, media, the fans, players, and teams, and so forth, everybody clowns. They straight up clown the Chicago. They 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 make they oh my gosh. They poke they poke jokes at the Chicago Bears for drafting Mitchell Trubisky over Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. Now, by no by no means I'm saying. I'm not saying 
Mitch Trubisky should have. I'm not. I'm not justifying that draft pick. No, I'm not. I, I was not a huge Mitch Trubisky guy coming out of. I was not huge on him even during his short short stint at North Carolina. I was never huge on Mitchell Trubisky. But if you just take a peek at their win-loss record, and you if you put their stats up, including their win-loss record, Deshaun Watson pretty much beats Mitch Trubisky in every category. Complete percentage, yards, yards per uh yards per, per attempt, touchdowns, interceptions. Like Deshaun Watson clearly is the better quarterback and nobody will dispute that but if you just take a peek at their win-loss record Mitchell Trubisky is 21 he's 29 and 21 as a starter I repeat he is 29 and 21 as a NFL starting quarterback Deshaun Watson on the other hand is 28 and 25 as a starting quarterback in the NFL. And if you just look at their win loss record and we're just solely judging off, look at these, look at their wins, look at their record. And you're like, oh, wow. I mean, the records are pretty identical 29, 21, 28, and 25. The, the records are pretty identical. And you're like, oh, wow. But nobody in their right minds, nobody in their right mind think that Mitchell Trubisky is even in the same class as Deshaun Watson. Nobody. Nobody. And that is my whole point about quarterbacks, win-loss record, and how we should properly evaluate. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. It does matter. It does. I'm not saying it doesn't. But let's be real. Win-loss is a team game. And yes, the quarterback position is the most important position, but there's other factors to teams being really good and teams being really bad and winning teams and teams that are just not good at all. And the Texans this year, despite having elite, despite having their quarterback play at an elite level, the other stuff around them was either average or below average, and that led to them not even being this this being awful this year and you look at the bears yes mitch Trubisky has limitations he is not as good as deshaun watson he's not as he's not even the same class he shouldn't be mentioned in the same sentence as deshaun watson but there's other factors other things to his team that's better it's like his defense his defense is entirely it's 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 way better than deshaun watson's defense and then, you know, that's why he made the playoffs this year. Deshaun Watson did. Deshaun Watson's a top 10 quarterback. I know his win-loss record this year may say otherwise. He went 4-12, and but he's a top 10 quarterback in this league, without a doubt. He's arguably top five, but he's certainly a top 10 quarterback in this league and, and arguably top five. I'm going to move on. That's enough. <clears throat> okay, okay. So before I even move on to my top 10 teams, since we were talking about quarterbacks and win-loss and win-loss records and all that good stuff, this brings me to an interesting point that I just wanted to point out. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be really interesting and I'm guilty of it as well. But the NFL playoffs, I think in I just I think about just about in any sports postseason, 
this is where the biggest narratives are created. In in the NFL, it hold it, it it that that holds true. When we're talking about these quarterbacks, um, especially these like these group of quarterbacks, you know, we have these narratives that we create about them, and most of these narratives that we create about them are in the playoffs. They start in the playoffs. And I'm just going to think about it. Think about all of the teams that play this wild card weekend. Think about all of the teams that play in this wild card weekend. Think about that. And think about the possible narratives that are that that will be created on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. When you know when I drop my podcast, I drop my podcast on Wednesday. But you guys will probably hear some shows. You bought you you guys are probably hearing, you know, other people talk about the games and so forth before you do before I do, because I drop my episode on Wednesday. But just think about it. Think about the narratives that you're gonna hear. So let's just I made this list. And let's just go down the list of and this is gonna have every quarterback, every quarterback that's playing this weekend. It's going to be on this list for the exception of one. And you're going to know why I don't have that one guy on there. But all of these quarterbacks, one of the like several of these quarterbacks are going to lose. And these narratives are going to be said and they're going to be stated. And some of them are going to be true. Now, I have a list of all of these quarterbacks that's playing this weekend. So let's start with Josh Allen. If the Bills lose to the Colts. You know what the narrative is going to be about Josh Allen? Oh, yeah, Josh Allen. Yeah, Josh Allen. He he can't win big games. He can't win playoff games. Can he win in the playoffs? Can he win in the playoffs? That's going to be the narrative about Josh Allen. He can't win in the playoffs. Last year, he wet the bed. This year, he wet the bed. He was supposed to be an MVP candidate. He was supposed to be in the same class as Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. And then he wets the bed against the Indianapolis Colts. That's the that's gonna be the narrative. That's gonna be the Josh Allen narrative if he loses on Saturday to the Colts. If Phillip Rivers loses, if the Colts lose and Phillip Rivers lose, what's gonna be narrative about Phillip Rivers? Oh yeah. Same old Phillip Rivers. Can't win in the playoffs. Comes up short in the biggest moments. And it's time for him to retire. He's over the hill. It's time for him to retire, pack up his bags, and you know, retire. That's gonna be a narrative. That's gonna be the narrative about Phil Rivers. If the Seahawks lose, it's gonna be, oh boy, Russ got off to such a hot start this season. Mm, struggled in the latter part of the year. And quite frankly, he hasn't gotten past the divisional round in the last six years. That's going to be the narrative about Russell Wilson. If the Rams lose, oh, my God, Jared Goff, he is totally overpaid. He, 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 he has the worst contract in the league. If Jared Goff plays and if the Rams lose, that's going to be a narrative about Jared Goff. If the Bucks lose. If the Buccaneers lose, if Tampa Bay lose, you know what the narrative is going to be about Tom Brady? Oh, man, Tom Brady, he can't win big without Belichick. He can't, he can't win big without Belichick. 
He he cannot win big without Bill Belichick. If the Ravens lose, you know the narrative is going to be about Lamar. Oh man, Lamar can't win the postseason. That system doesn't work. Greg Roman, Greg Roman, that system that he created doesn't work. For, it doesn't work in the postseason. It can't win playoff games. And then it's going to be. Well, do you pay Lamar big money? Do you give Lamar a ma- excuse me? Do you give Lamar a massive deal? That's gonna be the ner- that's gonna be the narrative about Lamar Jackson if he loses. If the Titans lose, you know the you know the narrative gonna be about Ryan Tannehill. Oh man, Ryan Tannehill, they overpaid for him. They overpaid for him, and then now he has a ceiling. We know his ceiling. Ryan Tannehill, he has a he has a ceiling. And the amount of money that they're paying him, he ain't worth it. That's gonna be the narrative if the Titans lose. That ceiling. He's he's hit a ceiling. He's a game manager. You know the narrative gonna be if the Steelers lose. Oh man, Big Ben, he's over his head. He's over, he's over the hill. And it's time for Big Ben to retire. Big Ben looked like Uncle Ben. It's time for him to retire. That's gonna be the narrative. That's gonna be the narrative about Big Ben. If the Browns lose, oh boy, oh boy, I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. If the Browns lose, you know the narrative is gonna be about Baker Mayfield. Oh my God, he's the game manager. Do you pay him? Do you you sure you want to give him big money? He's a game manager. He he's average. He he ain't it. He ain't the future. He ain't gonna get you there. He ain't gonna get you to the promised land. That's gonna be the narrative. That's gonna be the narrative about Baker Mayfield in the if the Browns lose. You know you know what you know what's gonna be the narrative if the Saints lose. Oh man, Drew Brees he's he's over the hill. Retire. Drew Brees is going to retire, and Drew Brees is going to go right to NBC. He's going to go right to NBC Sports. He's going to retire. That's going to be nerd. If the Bears lose, <laughs> you already know what's coming. Up, oh, time for a new quarterback. Mitchell Jabisky clearly has a ceiling. He clearly has limitations, and he is not the guy. That's going to be the narrative. Is that all the games? That's all the games, right? Yep. That's all of the games. Those are going to be the narratives of the quarterbacks if they lose. And you're probably wondering, well, what about the Washington football team? What about Alex Smith? The Washington football team has nothing to lose. They are the only team, and Alex Smith is the only quarterback playing this weekend. He's playing with house money. He's playing with house money. The, I mean, some some of you guys don't even think Washington deserve to be in the playoffs. You, you know, Washington, they're lucky to even make it. I mean, they play in a bad division. They were below 500. Ron Rivera has, you know, he's fighting cancer. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's just a blessing for Alex Smith to be on the field, let alone playing a playoff game. He's, he, he's, he's just playing on the field. He's lucky. He's lucky and blessed to be playing on the field. So, you know, that they're 
you know, they, they're playing with house money. They have nothing to lose at all. They're the only team, Alex Smith and the Washington football team, they're the only team that's playing that's that's just playing with house money, nothing to lose. And you're probably like, well, okay, what does this mean? Well, I'm I'm guilty of it, but instead of the losing, well, because because let's think about it. When this thing is all done and said with like over with, one team is gonna come out on top. One team is gonna come out on top and win the Super Bowl. Only one team is gonna get the lift of Lombardi. And I think too often we pay it, we, we we give a lot of attention to the losing team and the losing side. And in this case, in this instance, the losing quarterback. Instead of like, you know, looking on the bright side. For example, you look at you you look at Indianapolis. If Indianapolis lose, instead of us you're saying, you know, saying the same old narrative about and creating the same old narrative about Philip Rivers, you know what we should do? We should be like, wow, Chris Ballard, he's really done a great job with building that team. Andrew Luck retired, you know, they really haven't been able to get they're they're not they're not bad enough to get a high draft pick, but they're they're not good enough to win the Super Bowl because their quarterbacks have limitations. But Chris Ballard has done such a good job to build this front to build this team up. He's done a good job. Or like if the Browns lose, if the Browns lose, and instead, you know, we're gonna I, I'm probably gonna do I'm I'm guilty of it too. I'm guilty of I'm guilty of it too. But instead of you know bashing the Browns and so forth, we should probably be like. Damn, you know what? The Browns made the playoffs for the first time since 2002. You know, they, they, I mean, just three years ago, they were winless. Just three years ago, just three, four years ago, the Browns were winless. They were a winless football team. Now, Kevin Stefanski got them at 11 wins and, you know, I don't know. It's just interesting. It's just interesting how we interesting how we create these narratives. Um, and it's I, I mean I, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying these some of these because some of these narratives are right. Like Philip Rivers, he does have limitations. He's not the guy. He's not the guy that's going to lead the coast to the Super Bowl. Mitch Trubisky, he does have limitations. He is he's damn sure not the guy that's going to lead the Bears back to the promised land. Jerry Goff, mm, yeah, he has limitations. Yeah, he he yeah he has limitations. He might be totally overpaid. Yeah, some of these narratives are true. Baker, he yeah he's a game manager. He's average. He's average, and I would and I would certainly question whether or not whether or not should I pay this guy thirty thirty five million dollars per year? Yeah, I would. So I'm not saying none of I'm not saying some of these narratives aren't right. Like some of these narratives are on point. Some of these narratives that you're gonna hear, depending on who loses, are 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 are, are correct. Some of them are correct. But I just think it's funny how we come up with the the we come up so quick with the narratives for the for the losing side and the losing quarterback. It is a little bit interesting. But some of these narratives are true. I'm just pointing out the fact that it's interesting and it's fascinating how we come up with the narratives and we attack the losing side before even addressing the team and the quarterback.
that won. You know, interesting though. It's interesting. Let's move on to the top 10 list. All right, so let's do it. Top 10 teams going into wild card weekend. I don't want to, I, I want to get through my picks. So I don't want to hold you guys. Uh, I don't want to make this long at all. Now, I must say, disclaimer at, you know, it was really hard choosing between Indianapolis and Tennessee. But at 10, I'm going to go with Indianapolis. I think the deciding factor for me going with Indianapolis over um, the Tennessee Titans, it was simply because of the defense. I mean, Indianapolis defensively, they can cause so many problems. They're really good. It's, it's a really good unit. Like I said, like I mentioned, Chris Ballard has done a great job building this defense from the ground up, really, basically. So I, 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 that was the deciding factor. Yes, I know uh, Philip Rivers has limitations. Uh, he pro- This is probably his last year. It probably should be. Um, but Tennessee... I just, I just, their defense is just atrocious. They can't rush the quarterback. Um, they, they, they're bad. They are bad on third down. And their secondary is highly questionable. So I went with Indianapolis at ten. At number nine, uh, the Cleveland Browns. I felt pretty confident about them. Um, coming into the year, just about everything that I have said about the Browns and predicted about the Browns, it has manifested itself, and it's come, it's come to fruition. Um, the Browns, you know, I, I, under Kevin Stefanski, I knew what kind of team they were going to be. They're going to be a run first, run heavy type of team. Um, and Baker has, yes, he's had his moments. He's played well this year. Um, he's had his moments where he's had his big time games. Um, but we all know this Browns team, they go as far as this, as this offensive line and as those two running backs carry them. Um, so Nick Chubb, um, Kareem Hunt. Probably the probably the best running back duo tandem in the league. So they go as far as they take as they take them, but Baker has played well this year. So I go with the Browns at nine. Um, at eight, I'm gonna go with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, this is a sneak peek, but I think the Steelers are going to win. They should be able to win this week. Um, versus the Browns again. Um, the you know the Steelers. I I I. I'm not a big fan of them, obviously. You guys know I think they're fraudulent. But I tell you what they do well. What they do well is they first sack the quarterback. They're 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 amongst they're amongst the top of the league at sacking and pressuring your quarterback. So they do that. They do a very good job at that. Also, they they protect their quarterback. Now they can't run the football at all. Their offensive line seem to can't they can't they can't run the football, they can't gain any push. As far as run blocking, but pass blocking, they're pretty good. They, 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 you know, Ben Roethlisberger hasn't taken a lot of hits, hasn't taken a lot of sacks this year. So that's 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 something to build upon. They have really good receivers, although they have a lot of drops this year. But the receivers are pretty talented. Um, but Pittsburgh, I think they got lucky because Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland, they're gonna be out their coach. They're gonna be without their uh, their guard. So uh, I I don't know, but I I have Pittsburgh at eight. Um, at seven I'm gonna have the Seattle Seahawks. Um, I don't know what has happened to the like I don't know what's happening to this offense. If anybody from the Washington area area, um, or like the Seattle area, if you're fr- like, please give me a call so I can like so I can find out what's going on with this Seattle offense because. 
Over the first seven, eight weeks, this was one of the more dynamic, explosive offenses in the league. Russ was cooking. DK Metcalf was a monster. Since, um, you know, since this la- these la- this last month or so, they have been very inconsistent. They don't get a lot of big plays anymore. Um, so I'm a bit surprised. Now, defensively, they have flipped the, they flipped the script. They flipped the script defensively. It's it's like the offense and the defense has flipped sides. Um, the defense is now the strongest part of this team. So I don't know what to say, but I had I mean they're a good team, but I I had them at seven. But offensively, they just they just haven't been clicking, which is scary. Going against that Rams defense this weekend. Um, at six, I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with the Baltimore Ravens. Um, now I know the competition that they have been playing. Hasn't been the stiffest, but, I mean, they're playing some good football. I mean, over the last five games, they're second in the league in points per, in points per game. Um, Over the last – over the same stretch, they're, they're, they're giving up the fifth most points or the fifth least points. Um, They're fifth in points in points per game allowed. Um, So their defense has come back to life. They're, they're getting back to running the football, keeping the ball on the ground. Lamar looks a little bit more comfortable than he did early on the season. So that's a good sign. That's a good news for Baltimore. Not so good news for it, for that Titans defense. So uh, I have Baltimore at six. They're getting back to their old, their usual selves. Um, you know, big game for them this weekend. Um, at number five, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Similar to Baltimore, they've caught, they've caught a hot streak, but their opponents over the last few weeks haven't haven't been the stiffest. Um, they played Atlanta twice, Detroit once. So you know you 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 get where I'm coming from. Um, th- offensively, they're starting to click. They're starting to u- They're starting to utilize Antonio Brown a lot more, and he's being he and he's very effective. Um, defensively, they have been solid for the most part. Their secondary. Does has they do they the secondary do have a tendency to take a lot of risks and chances, but hey, uh, still a pretty good team. At four, the Saints. Drew Brees, since he's returned, hasn't looked the best, but hopefully he can clean that up. They do have a really awesome roster. It's probably the best all-around roster in football. Just take a look at it. Um, they get Michael Thomas back. They get Alvin Kamara back. They get Latavius Murray back. So they get some. They get some playmakers on offense. Um, so we'll see what the Saints look like. But I have them at number four. At number three, I have the Green Bay Packers. I've been telling you guys this over the last couple weeks. I think the Packers are the team to beat in the NFC. Um, they clinch home field advantage. Aaron Rodgers is obviously the MVP. They have the best quarterback and wide receiver duo tandem in the league. Whatever you want to call it. They have the best in the league. Their defense, it seems a bit more physical. And in, in, um, Alexander, the, the, the defensive back that they have, is nice. <laughs> He's been shut down. He's had a big year. Um, so, Packers at three. At two, I have the Bills. Right now, the Bills are probably the hottest team in football. They have played some, I mean, offensively. It's a masterpiece to watch them and Brian Dayball and Josh Allen and his development. I once again say it again. I think I've said this, but I hey, I say it again. Um, as far as a non-quarterback move, the Bills going out and trading for Stephon Diggs was the best offseason acquisition this year. That was the best offseason acquisition. 
the the Bills going out and getting Stefan Diggs, who's had a all pro year and who has helped lead Josh Allen to a all pro year and a MVP caliber year. Then at number one, I had the Kansas City Chiefs. No surprise. Now they all they they've struggled. They've they've been they've been limping across the finish line of the regular season. They've been struggling a little bit. I do think they will clean it up. Like I told you guys, it's like the Warriors. The Warriors are so dominant that some nights they take some nights off, but turn it on the postseason. Then now I think the Chiefs are very similar amongst that path. They're so dominant. They take some, they 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 play around a little bit, but I think in the postseason they will turn it around. And those are my top 10 teams going into the NFL wild card weekend. Can't wait. I'm going to give you guys my predictions after this quick break. Moment of truth. Moment of truth. My wild card predictions. Here you go. Okay. Start at the top. Indianapolis Colts versus the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are six and a half point favorites. Now, sorry, had to get a drink of water. The Bills are six and a half point favorites. I think the Bills cover the spread. The Bills are the hottest team in football, offensively and defensively. I mean, their defense has come alive, but especially offensively. Offensively, look at the last six weeks. You look at their rankings, look at their stats. They're number one in just about every category. I know it's unreal. Like their points per game, yards per game, passing yards per game. They're number one in just about every category. They are the hottest team in the league. Now, I think Indianapolis, they have a solid defense, as mentioned already. But I do think Indianapolis, at some point, offensively, they're going to have to make some plays over the top because you're not going to be able to slow down this Buffalo Bills offense. They're too creative. They have too many playmakers. You're not going to be able to slow them down and hold and hold them down for the whole entire game. So at some point, Indianapolis has to make plays. I think Phillip Rivers has limitations, um, and, and they show. They, I, I've watched a lot of Indianapolis games. They, they I mean, his limitations, they show. They're, they're, they're as clear as day. Stevie Wonder can see his limitations. So I'm going to take the Bills to cover the spread. I think the Bills win this game. I do think they win this game. I'm going to go with a score of 30 to 20, 30 to 20 Buffalo Bills. Okay, so four o'clock game, LA Rams versus the Seattle Seahawks. Now, it's wild card weekend, and you guys know an upset is going to happen, okay? I'm going to tell you that right now. Don't be surprised. Don't, don't, I'm, 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 I'm bracing you for the surprise. Do not be surprised. An upset will happen. And I think this game has upset written all over it. L.A. Rams um, versus the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks are three-point favorites. They're three-point favorites. This game is going to be defensive-oriented. This is going to be a defensive game. Both defenses are playing. I mean, the Rams defense, it's among it's among the tops of the league. It's first in yards per game. Uh, and they've been first in yards per game this entire season. The Seattle Seahawks defense has come alive later on. So I do think it's going to be a really tough defensive game. Seattle likes to play a lot of close games anyway. Um, I think this is going to be a coaching matchup. Um, I'm looking at Sean McVay. I'm looking at Pete Curl. I, I, to be honest, I trust, I, I trust Sean McVay. I'm sorry. I trust Sean McVay a little bit more. Um, I, 
I don't know what I'm getting from this Seahawks offense. Offensively, I don't know what I'm getting. And I usually don't like to bet against Russell Wilson because I, I, that's my guy. I like Russell Wilson. But this is not a good matchup for him. This is not a good matchup for their offensive line. This is not a good matchup for DK Metcalf. Trust me. I had DK Metcalf on my fantasy team, and every single time he played Jalen Ramsey, he got shut down. And I, I, I kid you not, he got shut down. So I, I, I don't. I, I, this is not a good matchup offensively for the Seahawks, uh, an offense that's been struggling. That's been struggling. Um, so I'm gonna take the Rams. I think this is gonna be the upset of the weekend. I'm gonna take the Rams. I think it's gonna be a really close, contested game. I'm gonna go with a final score of 20 to 17 20 to 17 la rams get the road victory okay eight o'clock game tampa bay buccaneers versus the washington football team now the buccaneers are eight point favorites be careful be careful if you are in love with the buccaneers be careful i'm telling you this washington football team presents a lot of problems a lot of problems that has handicapped and, and, and that, that has troubled Tom Brady throughout his career this Washington football team are has arguably the best front seven the best front four in the NFC and in the entire league now the key for Washington is you gotta hold Tampa to 20 points or less 20 points or less if Tampa Bay scores more than 20, the Washington football team has no chance because offensively, they don't have enough. They don't have enough offensively to keep up with. But defensively, this Washington football team is going to present a lot of problems. They're going to make this game physical and nasty and dirty. They're going to they're going to slow down the tempo of this game, and I think this is a I think it's going Tampa Bay is going to earn this game. Tampa Bay is going to work hard for this game. I'm going to take Tampa Bay to I'm going to, I'm going to take the Buccaneers to win this game. But I think it's a lot closer than what people think. I'm going to go with a final score of 26 to 19. 26 19. Um oh, oh, excuse me, I had the wrong score. 26 18. 26 to 18. I don't think the I don't think the Washington football team has enough offensively to keep up with this Buccaneers offense. They don't have enough. They don't they they just don't have enough. But defensively, they make this game rugged. They make this game nasty. Um could be a turnover or two. Uh but I like Tampa Bay to win this game, but I don't think it's going to be as I don't think I think it's going to be closer than what people think. Um okay, so we have the next game on the docket, Sunday game, 1 o'clock, the Baltimore Ravens versus the Titans. The Ravens are three-and-a-half-point favorites. Now, the Ravens are the road team. The Ravens are the road team. Oh, and before and before I move on, get this. Tom Brady is on the road. Sorry. Tom Brady is on the road. His last six road games, he is two and four. He has seven. He has ten touchdowns to seven interceptions. He's two and four in his last six playoff road games. Ten touchdowns to seven interceptions. Tom Brady struggles on the road during the postseason, and especially this versus this good defense. Um, this game's gonna be close. 
Okay, now back to Baltimore and Tennessee. Baltimore's three and a half point favorites. I'm going to pick the Ravens. Um, I don't think Tennessee has enough offensively, I mean defensively, to slow down Lamar in this hot offense. Um, I, I think Baltimore's defense, it's 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 gotten back on track. I think it's good enough where they can get a couple stops on Tennessee. And then I look at Tennessee's defense, I just don't trust it. I don't trust it. And I think Lamar Jackson, he gets his first win, his first career playoff win. And I think the Ravens win. I'm going to go with a score of 34 to 26. 34 26 Ravens. Okay, so Chicago, the Chicago Bears versus New Orleans Saints. The Saints are 10 point favorites. That's a lot of points. That's a lot of points, especially for a playoff game. I don't think it's going to be, I don't think it's, I, I don't think the Saints are going to cover the spread um, but, because that's just a lot of points. But I do, I do think the Saints win pretty comfortably. Uh, I'm gonna go with a score. I'm gonna go with a score of twenty-eight to twenty. Matter of fact, the Saints will cover the spread. I'm gonna go with a score of thirty-one to twenty. Thirty-one twenty Saints. Okay, last game on the docket: the Pittsburgh, the Cleveland Brown Browns versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are six-point favorites. I'm going to take the Steelers. Um, got, um, main, boy, oh, boy. Steelers, this is a bless from God. This is a bless. This is a blessing. I mean, the, the, the Browns, they don't have their coach. They, 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 they're missing one of their, one of their three all-pro offensive linemen. They have a negative point differential. Which is weird. Um, I don't trust this Cleveland secondary. Also, Cleveland gave Pittsburgh its best shot last week to get into the playoffs. It gave Pittsburgh its best shot last week to get into the playoffs. I think Ben Roethlisberger, T.J. Watt, and those other guys that did not suit up and play. I think they're that. I think they're that. I think they're they're good enough to make a difference like that. I think the Steelers win this game. I'm gonna go with a score of thirty to 20 to uh, 30 31 23 Pittsburgh Steelers those are my picks wild card weekend I'm telling you it's going to be an upset in one of these games one of these road teams are going to win a couple of these road teams are going to win and it's going to be an upset it all it, it's it, 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 it always happens that way it's going to be an upset but I bid you adieu I'm not going to hold you guys any much longer Enjoy Wild Card Weekend. Enjoy your Saturday. Enjoy your Sunday. Um, be careful. Look at look out for those narratives that I talked about. <laughs> look out for those narratives that I talked about. Always remember two choices, one decision. I'm out. Thank you guys. I greatly appreciate it for you guys coming back, choosing my platform, choosing my podcast. Continue to download and to download and stream this podcast from whatever DSP that you guys stream from. Always remember two choices, one decision. I said it twice. Always remember two choices, one decision. I'm out. Peace, deuces. Gone.